You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Welcome everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Liz, I work for Course Report, which is a resource for choosing the coding bootcamp that's right for you. Um, at Course Report, we get a ton of questions about admissions, about general admissions questions, just like when you should apply to a bootcamp, um, how many bootcamps you should apply to, uh, and then a lot of specific questions about specific schools. So could not be happier that we have this lovely panel of pretty much every school in uh, New York. So we've got Flatiron School, we've got Full Stack Academy, Grace Hopper Program, NYCDA, um, Codesmith, and Hack Reactor and Galvanize. So we've pretty much covered the gamut. Um, so thanks so much for everyone being here tonight. So let's dive in. All right, so really quickly, maybe we can do some quick intros. We're gonna go down the line and tell sure. everyone your name and uh, how you're involved with admissions at the school that you work for. I guess we're starting Yeah, please. Yeah, because you're the closest to me. I am Jordan Calhoun. I'm an admissions lead at Flatiron School. Cool. Uh, I'm Jeff Haar. I'm the director of admissions for Full Stack and the Grace Hopper program. Hi, my name is Crystal Kaplan. I'm the manager of the Student Success Program, and I have a background in recruiting, higher ed uh, education, and also overseeing job readiness programs. At NYCDA. Yeah. Yes. Right on, very cool. Hi, I'm Tyler. Uh, I'm the campus director for Hack Reactor in New York City. Hello, everybody. I'm Will, and I run Codesmith. Cool. All right, so let's start broadly. These are questions that I hear most often not about a specific school, but uh, more generally about the process. So first, when should people apply to a boot camp? Do you think they apply like the day before they're ready to start? Should they wait, if, like give themselves a few months? How long does the process typically take? Well, I think there are a couple ways to think about this. And one thing I would say is that applying to a program generally doesn't cost anything. And it's a way to signal your interest in a program. Um, and I would, so my advice would be to apply to a program once you're sure you want to do a program like this. What that's gonna do is it's gonna put you on the radar of that program, it's gonna involve you in, in messaging that's important that you're gonna get. And every one of us here has a way to communicate with you and give you everything you need to know um, to go through that process. So I always encourage people to apply as soon as they know this is what they wanna do. And worry about the academic part and the evaluation part later. Um, get, up, get that on your task list, get it coming into your email, um, and, and we know who you are and that you're interested, then we can tell you what you need to do and how long it's going to take. Cool. But for a time frame, I would say, you know, two, three months at, at minimum. Two, three months for the entire process. Yes. Cool. Similarly, I would add, when you, have, when you can explain your passion for coding, like it's, you know, we, we probably have both ends of the spectrum that we experience, people who, at least I have the experience of people who apply, you know, a week before a cohort begins, and like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna really try to get in for this September cohort. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, that's too soon. And then we also get people who are like, I'm gonna apply for sometime in mid-2019. I just wanna get a head start on things. It's like, ah, I mean, the first one's too late, the last one's too soon. You want to be able to explain your passion for coding, and once you're able to articulate that, that's a great time to get started, because then, like we had mentioned, you can 
start having a conversation with admissions people about what that pacing looks like and what that timeline looks like and how soon you can get admitted for a particular cohort. That makes sense. Do you think people should apply to multiple schools or put all their eggs in one basket um, yeah. or um, general? Yeah, I think that um, prospective students should definitely do their research, um, just like you would go about finding a job, right? Um, Connect with alumni, ask them some questions, do an actual site visit, audit a class. Um, you also you want to make sure that it's not only your education, but also the culture. Are you Is it a culture fit for you? So um, yeah, we definitely recommend that. That's great advice, and I think you can do that at multiple schools, right? Yeah, cool. Cool. Um, and then, kind of more specifically, what do the admissions processes at, and kind of your interview process look like at each of your schools? Maybe you can talk through that process for you, assuming it takes two to three months, but what, is the, what are the steps? At uh, New York Code and Design Academy, um, there are a couple of key steps. Um, one, filling out an application. Next, uh, it would be doing a 30-minute interview. Um, then it would be uh, doing foundations, which is 40 hours worth of um, coding material. It's um, a prerequisite. And then um, getting your financial plan in order. Well, I'm happy to speak yeah, to Yeah, what's so, the Hack Rector? Uh, so at Hack Rector, uh, you know, the question is kind of like what we look for in students, right? Um, I think they're, most of these schools kind of look for very similar kinds of candidates. Um, I think at Hack Rector in particular, we look for a kind of uh, curiosity that is, is kind of inherent to one. Um, our interview process is not simply testing your uh, kind of uh, ability to simply recollect information or have memorized information, uh, so much as to kind of see how it is that you respond to being thrown into kind of the deep, the deep water, uh, so to say. Um, and, and, and people, uh, you know, tend to... Um, their, their true uh, selves kind of come out in those moments mm -hmm. and you get the opportunity to really see you know, how, how does an individual respond to being put under some, some kind of like uh, pressure and like what is the rigor with which they, they kind of you know, attempt to solve this problem uh, in the moment, right? And so when we, when we interview people, we're kind of inherently looking for that uh, and I think that that really comes down to a, a degree of like uh, self-management that like not everybody walking around on the streets kind of has mm -hmm. uh, and we really look for that because going through, uh, I can speak for Hack Rector at least, but going through our program is, is particularly intensive um, and so we need to ensure that people are kind of prepared to, to kind of tackle those challenges. Yeah. Well, what is the process like at Codesmith? <laughs> Two <laughs> interviews. One, we call it a cultural interview. Ultimately, in the end, if someone is uh, not going to be constructive to the overall environment, isn't, isn't excited by that opportunity to work with others, it ain't going to work. So cultural interview first, then technical interview. Technical <coughs> interview, one hour long. The biggest thing you have to do for coding the technical interview is attend the workshops, the free workshops every week. We made the bar to get into CodeSmith very high so that people will actually succeed out the program. But that means we have to have a lot of free workshops beforehand. So the biggest thing is lots of free workshops. And I will tell you, every program here will offer free workshops Go to every single one you can. Hard parts on Thursday nights, but every program here will offer free workshops. Get to them as much as you can. Jeff, what is the um, process like for full, full stack at uh, Grace Hopper? 
So we, we have an application, we have an assessment that you take, we have an interview process after that, and you know that's a quick answer to uh, a process question, but I, I just want to echo a lot of what they said um, that we look for as well. And I will just do that very shortly by saying that, yes, a lot of how we evaluate you once we understand that you're technically ready to succeed in the program is based on the way that you handle challenges, failure, things you haven't seen before, um, things like that. But I would say maybe also our admissions process is not designed to make a final call on you in your first time through it. Um, many, many, many of our students go through our admissions process multiple times. Now, granted, there are insurmountable reasons why we might not be a good fit for working together. Those would come down to really egregious, you know, um, uh, fit issues, the way you collaborate with people, things like that. But we think even, even communication is coachable. And we invest very, very heavily, like Will said, in pre-admissions events, courses, workshops. These are not, you know, businesses of ours, there are ways for us to invest in the people who are interested in coming to our school and help them increase their chances of success in our process. And we find that if it's your second or third time around, the amount of instructional time and coaching and attention you've put into this and effort and organization and learning how to learn again, big thing for adult learners. I still have struggles with it in the courses that I'm taking, um, but the reason we do all of that is so that when you finally get into a program, you are not quitting your job, moving your town, getting daycare for your children, changing up your life, and then putting yourself in a situation where the intensity of the program goes from here to here, and you don't have the skills necessary to deal with it. So, you know, I, I would say that um, for the vast majority of applicants, the question is not, um, am I the right fit? It's how can I become successful in your program? Um, and when can I join to, to maximize that? So. We allow a couple of tries in the different parts of our process, and failure is expected in our process. And like Will, we have a responsibility to have a very high bar. Um, so, you know, we work with our students for a very long time at admissions. If you're a beginner, you should start six months ahead. If you are an advanced computer science graduate with engineering experience, you may be able to enroll in two, three weeks. Um, Does every school on this panel allow people to apply more than one time if you fail the first time, or does anybody say no? Well, we, we would say no to somebody okay. if there was like a very clear sure, like sure. lack of alignment mm -hmm. uh, as far as kind of being able to work together. And I think same. that's probably the same for all of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there are some schools yeah. that say you can't apply more than one. So just clearing that up. Okay, cool. And then Jordan, and you want to describe the Flatiron? Process, so we have a three-step admission process at Flatiron School. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously the application. Successful applications get moved on to the admissions interview. And then successful admissions interview get, gets moved on to the technical interview. And the two main things that we're looking for are obviously the technical aptitude, which mm -hmm. a lot of people have discussed here on the panel. That all holds true for Flatiron School as well. And then the other part that we're looking for is the passion for coding. And I guess that's one part. Um, that I'll add on to in terms of what people have said before. You know, the, the, the technical aptitude is something that we feel we can teach. Mm -hmm. If someone has a certain skill set or, or, or ability to learn, and I like that how you mentioned learning as an adult is difficult. You know, adult learning and relearning how to learn is really, really important. But assuming that an applicant has that skill set mm -hmm. and they have that ability to learn, the thing that we cannot teach is that passion for coding. Someone who has that drive. I think about, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing a sport that I care about, I'm going to sweat during practice. I'm going to work hard because I have this goal. I care about this sport. As opposed to if I were in a rec league and I were joining for racquetball, 
I'm not working hard to win a racquetball championship. I don't care about that. I'm just dabbling mm -hmm. in it. Like one of the easiest rejections I can make is if someone is applying to Flatiron School and they're saying, yeah, I just wanted to see if I would enjoy coding. Mm -hmm. Like obviously that's a little too soon to make that type of leap, right? But if someone has that technical aptitude, which shakes out during the technical interview, and if they have that passion for coding, that combination is what gives people, gives us the confidence to admit them. And then there's the cultural aspect as well, just making sure that culturally we feel that they're a fit with the vibe that we have, which is unofficially to work hard and be nice. Cool. Can I just be careful about the word culture? I just want to be clear. When we say culture, it tends to be like internal lingo in our departments. When we say cultural, we are we are referring to solely your non-technical fit and your attitude and your mm -hmm. your vibe in the program. Nothing to do with your actual culture or anyone's actual. Culture. Absolutely. Um, attitude is a, is a great way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It in one like, we're trying to change yeah. the way that we refer to that internally because it's not always obvious to candidates. Totally uh, fair. It's about how you deal with with challenges and things. Okay. Um, okay, quick question. For Jeff and Tyler, y'all are both here kind of rep representing two schools, essentially. Um, Jeff with Grace Hopper and Fullstack, and then Tyler with Hack Reactor, and y'all were obviously just acquired by Galvanize. Um, does somebody have to uh, apply to both programs separately? I get this question, question a lot, like, can I just apply to one and then get put into both application processes? What's the rule for y'all? Yeah, that's a really great question, and uh, thus far, uh, for, the, for the month that this information has been public, uh, that has been one of the most common questions that we've been asked. Uh, it is the case currently that Hack Reactor uh, is going to be replacing Galvanize's web development program entirely, uh, and so it will be kind of sunset uh, immediately. Uh, and so at this juncture, um, you, you don't have to necessarily apply to both schools uh, so much as you have to simply apply to, to Hack Reactor. Um, if you're interested in the, in the software engineering program, um, Hack Reactor is the only route through which you can take at this juncture. Uh, however, if you're interested in, in uh, Galvanize's data science program or any of their other uh, programs, you would actually still have to go through Galvanize. Okay, yeah. cool, good to know. Um, in our case, uh, not only is the application for Full Stack Academy the exact same application, so you apply once for all programs, um, the instruction is the same, the location is the same, everything is the same, the curriculum, the teachers, the staff, all of it. So it's it's two sides of the coin, the differences are the all-female learning environment for Grace Hopper and the deferred tuition model that we have. But from an admissions perspective, you apply once, and if you're accepted, you can actually decide which school you want to go to mm -hmm. well after you've been accepted, and, and sometimes even into the curriculum of the course. Cool. Okay, and then Crystal, you work a lot with students after they've been accepted, you're in student success. Um, and we were talking uh, before this about the things that people forget to do before they apply or things that you encounter later once they're already in the program. Um, is there, what's the number one like avoidable mistake that somebody can make that they could avoid by doing before they apply or start the, a boot camp? Yeah, I would say there are three things. Um, one, I would say like your future. So like it falls into what you were saying before, like what's, what's your why? Why do you, what, like how, um, how do you demonstrate that you're passionate about coding? Um, have you dabbled in code before? Or are you just like, I want to make six figures at the end of three months? Um, or I want to create beautiful websites. Or I want to mentor. I heard the tech industry is booming. Yes, I heard the tech industry is booming, right? Um, those probably want to be the best answers. But like really thinking about what your future goals are. Um, and then also friends and family. So making sure your friends and family know how committed you are to this course. Um, and, uh, and then also, I mean, I think the number one soft skill is 
uh, time management. Mm -hmm. So that would um, that would go into you know planning. We were talking about planning for the application process, um, when you're going to quit your job, um, when you're going to tell you know your friends and family, and then the the third thing would be so there were three F's: future, family, friends, and finances. Um, thinking about what your finances will be like um, throughout the program and then after the program when you're searching for a job. Okay, cool. Cool. Figuring out your finances before. Yeah, that's fine. Does everybody require a coding challenge? Like, should applicants expect to have to code during the interview? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Literally everyone. Okay, great. Um, so what do applicants need to know for that? Like, do they need to know a specific coding language? Do they need to know how to solve a logic problem? Do they need to know um, any programming language? Like, what level of uh, technical expertise do they need to have before they apply? Yeah, I'm happy to jump into that. So um, I'll speak on behalf of Hacker Actor, but I think there's probably one kind of commonality that I would, I would encourage most prospective students to consider uh, as they're kind of moving into this world of potentially, you know, attending one of these schools. Um, I think all of us expect from students uh, some, some fundamental baseline ability to kind of solve problems, right? Um, and regardless of kind of which programming language that you find yourself needing to kind of gain expertise in, depending on what school you want to go to, because we all do teach potentially different, you know, technologies and different languages and such, um, there exists this kind of like fundamental baseline of, of knowledge and information that you can glean uh, from just the, the fundamentals of things that you don't you don't have to apply to a particular language, right? Mm. Um, and I think that having a, a, a core understanding of like what programming is more holistically uh, before you kind of jump into a particular language um, is actually really useful for people. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you kind of once you have that that baseline level of information, you can then kind of jump into understanding the particular nuances of a, a given language that you need to know uh, to get into a school. Um, and for Hack Reactor, we expect that people have a deep understanding of the fundamentals of JavaScript uh, in particular. Yeah. Okay, so JavaScript. Will y'all are JavaScript too? They'll have to code yeah. in JavaScript yeah. during. For me, my view is that you can get to a junior dev level, definitely an entry level uh, entry level dev for. for for free, okay? Uh, the resource, you can get to, by the way, a mid-senior role uh, for free. It's gonna take you a while, but you can get there. Uh, for free, without a doubt. There are so many amazing, Free Code Camp is a phenomenal resource. I, this guy, Quincy Larson, I am eternally grateful. He's an incredible person, and you can get there for free. So, why do a program, I think to get from entry or junior level up to mid-senior fast is hard. So for Cosmith intake, about a third have done either a CS degree and would come out of that getting an entry level role, or they've done a boot camp, a coding boot camp, um, and they want to sort of level up. Uh, a third have done some sort of software engineer, they've been a front-end developer, or in some rare cases like senior dev or CTO and they just want to be part of a community building and then a third are totally self-taught from nothing and that's where I, those are, I'm a big fan of those people they just dig in they go through free code they go through CSX which I think all programs will have kind of intro online learning they go through CS prep they go through the kind of getting yourself up to the level where and I'll tell you this I've seen people do all that free stuff free code smith and then just go and take an entry level job straight away. 60K entry level job, like that. 
And I do believe that's the level where at least Codesmith comes in and says, okay, we'll accelerate you up now to that next stage. But that's kind of what we expect. It doesn't need, mean you need to do a coding bootcamp. Some of people apply to Codesmith and say, damn, should I have done a coding bootcamp first? I don't think so. But certainly getting yourself up to that level where you could probably get an entry level job already, that's the kind of level we expect for Codesmith. Does anybody have a less, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I just want to respond to that a little bit. Uh, do you want to go first? No, go ahead. Okay, so um, I think that Will's totally right about free resources and the quality of them out there and the amount of them that are out there and the different approaches you can take to self-learning. But I think that it's very, very rare to run across a person who already has all the skill set to self-teach themselves mm -hmm. programming to the level where they can gain can employment. I just say, that's where you need community. And that's where you have your free workshops. We all have our free workshops. Go to free workshops you can get so far with the community. Sure, but so um, my point is that we sort of approach it a little differently at full stack. You do need to know JavaScript. You do need to know the basic fundamentals of JavaScript at a deep level, very similar to Hack Reactor. We provide you with prep resources. We provide you with three workshops to get there. But we also are going to teach you in our program how to do work as an engineer. And you don't need to know that when you show up. It's, a, it's an industry that has its own ins and outs, skill sets, and tons of our senior uh, level curriculum is devoted to understanding how to work on an engineering team, make engineering products, meet deadlines, deal with challenges, communicate with your team members. And these are all skills that you absolutely need to be employed as a software engineer, no matter what you started in as far as your, your capabilities. So I wanna be very clear that yes, we do require uh, a good understanding of fundamental JavaScript to join our full-time program. But we have entry points for people who know nothing, who have none of these skills. We have entry points for people who already know all of it and have all of these skills. And no matter who you are, um, our job is to help you understand where am I today, where can I be soon, and what are the steps that I need to do to get there. And I think that um, while we love self-learners, I think it's distinctive from people who can motivate themselves. I think learning is not an inherently obvious skill set to develop. I think motivation is much more of the uncoachable side of it that, that you mentioned, the passion for coding. But we think if that's there and we have the curriculum to teach you the technical stuff and we have a ton of career services, human beings, mock interviews, algorithm practice, um, project management practices, agile, all these things are things that we cover in our senior phase because that's when you have the technical knowledge and the baseline to be ready to learn how to apply this to a work situation. Um, so, and, and you know, we, we graduate entry to mid-level engineers. I wouldn't say senior at, at full stack, but I mean, so it's a little bit different. But. So it's less about like just being able to pass a technical coding challenge and more about like being able to prove that you were able to get to a point where you can And that you want that. a job yeah. as a software mm -hmm. engineer. And I would sense. say that my, I aspire for this to be true. We can take anybody and get them to successful, um, the time frame is different. The skill mm -hmm. sets you need to learn are different. Mm -hmm. um, but that's our, that's our like duty to the students is to tell you where are you on that spectrum and what are the, what's the ladder you need to climb up to get here. We provide a lot of resources in our program to help you do that beyond programming knowledge. I actually misspoke. We can do the assessment in JavaScript, Python, C, uh, C++, Java, and I believe Ruby. Okay, oh, cool. But not cool. the interview. Jordan, how technically like proficient do you have to be in order to pass the technical, like the coding challenge at Flatiron? So there's two main things, mm -hmm. just on top of what was just said, there's two main things that we're looking for mm -hmm. during the technical interview. And everyone who's been admitted to Flatiron School would probably heard this spiel before, at least if they were admitted by me. There's 
There's the, 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 the technical aptitude side of things that we were talking about before. You know, if there's a coding challenge, we want to make sure that you're able to problem solve, that you're able to think through these, these problems in the right way, right? And then the other side of it is the coachability. And that was something that was sort of alluded to earlier in terms of, you know, not just, just motivation, but being able to listen to someone's guidance and perspectives, an instructor's guidance and perspective, mm -hmm. to be able to ask the right questions and engage effectively to be able to solve that problem. That is as important, if not more important, than you know, the technical ability that you come in. Because like we said earlier, you know, we, can, we can teach to various different abilities. Mm -hmm. That range, you know, that's a wide range that we mm -hmm. can handle. That's what we offer as a school, is this skill set that we can teach very, very effectively, that we show that we're able to teach effectively. What we can't teach are those things like passion and motivation. That has to come from the applicant side. And also coachability. That's something that we can help with, but that largely has to do with someone as a student before they even came to us. So those are the things that we're looking for to make sure that we have that balance of technical aptitude, which we can provide, and that coachability and motivation that we can help with, but not necessarily provide to the same extent. What language is the coding challenge We in? do the coding challenge in either JavaScript or Ruby. Okay, okay, so, cool. So dealer's choice. Yeah, um, at New York Code and Design Academy, um, the technical piece is just front-end HTML, CSS, and JavaScript as well. Um, we have a wonderful coach also um, that helps students as far as breaking down, you know, being a cheerleader or motivator, but also breaking down, um, you know, setting kind of action items and timelines mm -hmm. for them to get through the content because at this point in the process, individuals are still working full-time and and things like that, so she's there to coach them through. Um, and I think everything that you were saying that everybody here has said before, um, you know, we're, we're able to really get to know an individual and how, how coachable they, they are and how passionate they are about it, so. Got it, right. Um, okay, do, uh, everyone's mentioned some intro classes, free classes, um, those are amazing, community workshops, fantastic. What do you feel, I get this question more and more often now, how do you feel about boot camp prep programs and when do you think a boot camp prep program, a paid boot camp prep program is worth it for a student? What types of students should do this? I'm happy to speak to that. So. Uh, at Hack Reactor, over the years, we've kind of iterated and figured out kind of the best way to try and prepare people for the program. Um, there used to exist a day uh, way back when, when, when prep programs didn't really exist. Uh, and so, it, upon kind of entering into this world of like, how do you best prepare somebody to come to Hack Reactor, uh, we kind of reverse engineered like what we expected people to be doing on day one uh, and kind of figured out all of the necessary steps in like very minute detail uh, that, that was kind of necessary to ramp somebody up uh, to doing that. And so, the way that um, at Hack Rector, we've kind of designed this program is that you, you effectively are, are kind of thrown into repeatedly these different kinds of, of challenges, right? And, and there's similar challenges that you will see uh, in the admissions you know, interviews at different schools. Um, one of the things I think that's different about the way that Hack Rector approaches prep programs is probably that we do not claim to prepare you for any particular boot camp other than our own. Um, and I know that many schools out there have different philosophies surrounding this, um, but the notion here is that like, you, you should already know that you kind of want to go to Hack Reactor before you do Hack Reactor's prep program. That's kind of the idea. Um, and it's a strong opinion, uh, but it is one that we've decided to kind of to take up on because the way that we teach this information, I think, is, is not potentially applicable to, to other locations uh, of, of schools, right? Got it. Um, so with that, in, in broad strokes, I think 
uh, especially the way that we think about these preparatory programs, they're very useful. Um, these days we have anywhere from like 30 to 40% of our entire student body um, coming through these prep programs at this juncture. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's easy to recommend that, you know, if you, if you have a school in your, in your sites mm -hmm. uh, and they offer a prep program, you should probably trust that that particular school's prep program is going to best prepare you for that particular school. And they'll usually like refund or put your prep program tuition towards yeah. the boot camp tuition, tuition, which I think is totally our, fair. Yeah. Full Stack um, also has a prep. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So program, our, yeah. our prep, I don't think we explicitly mention like who, who, what it's preparing you for other than these are the, the basic JavaScript fundamental concepts you'll learn. And we try to err on the side of a lot of like live instruction because like I mentioned before, if you're in that group of people who, who isn't a self study expert, you need a real like teacher and some TAs and a help desk and you need to submit tickets when you're having a problem solving a, a piece of code. And while you're not going to get handheld in the job that you get after the program, when you're just starting out and you're not even sure maybe at the prep level that you want to work a career as a software engineer, getting that human front end touch is really important, which is why I will answer your question with I believe it's valuable to take a prep program of live instruction. I believe it's valuable to pay for that instruction, which guarantees that the people you're gonna be pair programming, pair programming with in that course are just as invested in it as you. But I also think it's important that that prep course is not an independent product and that it's designed that it's to onboard you into an immersive program. These things wouldn't exist in a vacuum. There's no reason to learn the first 5% of JavaScript mm -hmm. and stop there other than I want to continue learning JavaScript. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a great way. I would advise anybody to do a prep program if you still can't answer that question about, I want to spend every day nine to five developing software for money. Um, if you're still not sure and you want to try it out, prep program is an amazing way to do that. And that's really what we want you to be dang sure of. Everybody up here wants you to be mm -hmm. dang sure that you want that career because at least at Full Stack Grace Hopper, that's how we measure our success. How many people mm -hmm. we got jobs. They want jobs, we want them to get jobs. If we all get jobs for you, we're successful, we're all successful. So um, I think that, yeah, prep is a super valid yeah. way to do that. Um, and ideally isn't its own separate course. Sure. Does anyone else have, well, y'all have a Codesmith prep yeah. program yeah, now, yeah. right? Yeah, Cool. It's good. So I was always very anti-prep programs because, why? Uh, because I felt like they were giving a false impression of what coding was. Like it's much more worthwhile if you're trying to get people into a program, it's much more worthwhile to make it as like fun, easy lifting as possible, get people excited. I wanted to do a pro, the only way we'd do a prep program was if it actually trained you in what makes a great engineer, which is unfortunately hitting a lot of blocks and struggling through them, doing it again and again and again. And that's why I have massive admiration for programs that have that pedagogy. No handholding, because that is not what gets you a mid-level engineering position. That's why I will shout out, I don't know names, but great programs here that do that, that push you through blocks again and again. And so we figured out a way and finally started doing a prep program earlier this year to do just that. And I'll tell you what's fun. The project that you build, uh, audience, the project that you build is vanilla JavaScript only, which sounds boring, but it actually takes you back to the days when you would build end to end every last bit of like a 
you know, a, uh, a basketball simulation game. Or you'd build, I don't know, Texas Hold'em, but with a, a GUI, you know, graphics made out of those little text stuff. But that is where you become a genuinely, uh, you get a real taste of what actual engineering is. What actual mid-level engineering, which is what goes with targets every grad getting, actual mid-level engineering looks like. And, I, and once we figure that out, we're like, okay, we can do it. But it isn't as satisfying as that sort of fun, easy win of building a nice personal site. So I'm still torn on it. It works, but it is, it ain't glossy, because in the end, engineering on the job, mid-level, ain't about the glossy, it's about hitting blocks and having that autonomy to navigate through it. I mean, never want to fake that. And so the prep program is just as authentically demanding. It's nice that your prep program mimics kind of what the pedagogy of the actual program is. Just like we were saying, nice to do a, I, I, I think that prep programs are really interesting, but I would agree that they're, you did? Yeah. I think I would agree that it's best to do a prep program if you want to go to that school and you want like a kind of really straight narrow path. Yeah, to and I'm telling you, when it. you yeah. when you finish that first, like we we do a, a Markov chain poetry generator, and the fact that I had like have my silly Soviet history degree, and four weeks later was writing <laughs> a program like that, and then passing our assessment, um, it really made me identify with. The, the students that are coming at this from a non-technical background. And mm -hmm. I think that, that that's one thing I want to stress, is that these prep programs are much, much more effective and useful if you don't have previous tech experience. Like, you almost need to do one. Mm -hmm. um, and whether the, the code that you're ended up writing and the projects you're making in that prep program are, you know, technically impressive or not, that exposure, that experience, that understanding of what, what engineering and solving problems is, and the satisfaction you get from understanding, look, I have achieved a thing. I typed in JavaScript into a window and it made a thing happen. At that level of, a, of the, the process, understanding that you enjoy that feeling and that you want more of that, that's what Bootcamp Prep is about. It's about helping you know that you want to be an engineer. Once you know that and you can pass our assessment, we will take you the rest of the way. Uh, regarding the bootcamp prep thing, Flatiron School has an amazing bootcamp prep mm -hmm. and it's designed to segue students from pretty much beginner level, as you had mentioned, to being a successful Flatiron cool. School student. Can I add one quick thing just to sure. say? Uh, a lot of people end up doing multiple prep programs. I think that's nice. I think that's a great way, honestly, of exposing yourself to a culture and figuring out what culture is right. So a lot of people do full stacks and then postmiss and HRs and uh, I think that's fantastic. Uh, a lot of them have scholarships as well. I'm sure everyone yeah, has Yeah, scholarships those. and being for, able to apply your, does Coatsmith do that, applying the tuition? And to then regardless, tuition. technical communication, cultivate it. Cool. Okay, I want to finish up with a little lightning round, the entire panel. Um, first of all, a question that we get all the time, are there age minimums or maximums? Is there, do you have to be a certain age and will you not accept somebody who's above a certain age at your oh, boot camp? Okay. Yeah. Um, just to finish out from the last question, um, at New York Code and Design Academy, we don't have a prep program, mm -hmm. but we do have eight-week courses for students who, oh, yeah. Yeah, who haven't um, ever coded before, who have only gotten so far in doing Treehouse or Linda or whatever. 
Um, so as far as admissions and age range, um, you know, anybody who's over 18 is, is welcome to join our community. Is everyone over 18? Over 18, no That's max. Your, okay. Yeah, Do you ever accept people under 18? Nope. No? Okay. Yeah, okay. We used to. Yeah, I feel like schools used to, and maybe that's 18 is the but legal I think, age. But I think we've done up to 62, 62? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just several. Do you get a lot of questions from um, kind of later career changers? Yeah. Like, and, can yeah. I do this? And I would say we get that question all the time. Their main question is, is it too late to do yeah. this? Um, it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I think older students have an advantage of is that they have a ton of work experience, mm -hmm. right? And remember that part of our curriculum is about like teaching you skills to get a job. If you already kind of are great at that and you can interview well and you can speak to your, your you've learned half of that curriculum already, how to like talk about your accomplishments, how to like feature your projects, 30 second elevator pitches, mm -hmm. all that stuff. So really it kind of is a slightly different experience for them in that um, even if they acquire the technical knowledge slightly slower, they have more time to do that. Now, you still want to graduate someone who's incredibly like ready to be a, a, an engineer, and we hold all of our graduates to that standard. But I would say that for, for, a, for a more elderly student, it's, it's not any more of a challenge overall, um, depending on your previous situation. I think we had a carpenter. Uh, in the 50s to do the remote cool. programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also I'll add on to that. Um, you know, at New York Code and Design, um, our program is software engineering, um, but we also treat each individual as their, you know, an individual. Um, they all have different, different goals and different purposes of being in the program. So while becoming a web developer is that drive, is the vehicle, um, we also expose them to different career pathways mm -hmm. in tech. Yeah. So um, we've had individuals who might have had a career in hospitality and they're like, I've been a waiter for 10 years. It has nothing to do with tech. I was a truck driver. I was a lawyer. You know, there's no transferable skills, but we work with them to say, oh, you know, if you're an, a, a bartender, you can work, you work well under pressure. You work with all different types of people. You are organized, this and that plus the dev skills, you make a really good project manager, right? So um, for individuals with many years of experience, um, work experience, exposing them to different career pathways in tech, um, you know, yeah. can also help them accomplish those goals. Can I? Oh, so please. To, regarding the age minimum and maximum, the one thing I wanted to add is that, you know, there's obvious, age diversity is part of diversity and it's mm -hmm. an important part. And we look at that diversity as an important addition that enhances a cohort. A, an older applicant or someone with career experience or who was from the circus, they are not a liability mm -hmm. at all. They're bringing a different perspective that can only enrich that cohort. Cool. What is the most important question in your opinion that you ask during the application process? Why do you want to be a software engineer? Absolutely That's that one. Fun. I don't even feel like I have to give much context. I know. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, that, that, yeah. Lightning. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to ask the question why, mm -hmm. um, and that's ultimately why? what I think probably all of us will try to get at uh, in the interview process. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you know, someone had mentioned, I forget who earlier, this notion of like just getting into this space because people make a lot of money doing this work um, totally is, is, is flimsy. Um, and like that, that doesn't really hold its weight when you get into one of these programs because they're, they're intense. Uh, and even if you happen to make it through one of these programs and you, you end up at the end of the tunnel, um, there's, there's another you know, three to six month worth of, of hard work to do where like, it's even more on you to figure mm -hmm. that out. Yeah. And so uh, you know, answering the why question really early on and identifying people's kind of 
like intrinsic passions and desires for this kind of work is is I think paramount um, in the interview process. Yeah, actually slightly different uh, for us. That definitely is part of it. But the question we probably ask that's most important is how. I don't even know the exact question, I don't do the interviews, but I know the question I sort of pass down is, I'm like, what, if you're pair programming with somebody who has less experience than you, That's you're pair programming with this person, they have less experience than you, how does that make you feel? What do you do? What's the, how do you handle that? What do you do? And it's a way, my view's always been, big part of being a codesmith, I've always said, academic excellence is 80% of what makes codesmith. 20% though is if you are driving academic excellence, you better have a warm and supportive community where every single person is growing those around them, perhaps even prioritizing that overgrowing themselves. You get that and you get this multiplicative effect. So if you have people coming in who are like, great, I'm here to serve myself, you know less, what can I get out of you? Then you're done, that's not gonna work. But if you have people who go, wow, now's my chance to mentor you, improve my communication, improve my ability to explicate complexity and make it meaningful to somebody else, then you've got a group of givers. And that is what builds a great community. So that's kind of the, I shouldn't really say it because now the question's been revealed, but <laughs> that, is, that is the most important question for us. Yeah, I would say for New York Code and Design Academy, it's um, similar, you know, why are you interested in coding and uh, making sure that they, you know, asking follow-up questions on like how they demonstrate that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, they used to be a gamer, or um, they attend meetups, or they've done dabbled in code. They, um, you know, whatever that that medium is. Um, and then also, you know, how will you contribute to to the community? Um, I think it goes kind of hand in hand what you were what you were saying before. Um, you know, and asking them, you know, what, you know, how are they going to handle this intensity and what are alternatives and, and things like that of how to handle it. Okay, so the why, how you'll contribute to the community, give back to the community, anything else? Those are pretty Same, good, yeah. pretty the good why questions. And the question of collaboration and how you collaborate with others, I for mean, sure. I'll raise one other one that's really important that can sometimes get overlooked. Each of us at our schools is trying to cultivate an open and supportive and diverse and, and transparent culture. And what that means is that if you are not someone who is willing to or even excited by the possibility of collaborating with people that are totally different age from you, gender, race, political outlook, uh, you know, culture, language, uh, previous career, whatever. If you're not coming into our environment, and we say this and, and straight up to people, um, it's part of our no assholes rule. But um, if you, that doesn't sound like you, we, we don't want you to continue on with us and we will tell you you're gonna have a lot better luck somewhere else. So um, I think that we tend to focus a lot on the operations of the job and like the day-to-day the -day of the job, but I think all of us would support stepping back for a second and saying like, look, fundamental before all of this stuff is like, are you an asshole <laughs> or can you uh, and do are you excited by the prospect of working with people who are totally different from you um, who have the same goal I think pair programming is all part of that I think the culture fit questions the the, the uh, attitude all of this all rolls up down to a thing that like all these all these organizations and schools are educational institutions that are trying to create a, a better world and that that's part of our mission Okay, finally, last question. Um, what are the acceptance rate like, rates like at your boot camp? Um, what percentage of applicants actually get in? Do you have that data? I'm yeah. happy to jump into that. 
So it's a, this is a really interesting question that I get asked all yeah. the time, um, and I think that there are there are different ways to answer this. Uh, some that are more impressive than others, and some that are just kind of like, oh, that's that's a boring number. Why did I ask that question? Um, so there's kind of like two frames of thinking about this, right? So like, if you're if you're looking at the number of people who simply apply to a program and then end up there on on day one of a particular class, you know that is an astronomically low number. Mm -hmm. uh, I could I could give you a number that's like six percent, and it's a real number. It's it's accurate. I have the data to share with you, like. You know, look, like this is the number of people who applied, this is how many people ended up in a particular cohort. Like you're like, wow, six percent, that's amazing. Um, so that's one answer. Um, the other answer is like how many people actually pass the technical interview. Mm. Um, and I think that that is oftentimes what most people are kind of getting at when they ask this question. Um, and I can speak on, on behalf of Hack Reactor as far as these numbers are concerned. Um, it's roughly like one in four people will pass the uh, the the technical interview that we give them on the first go through. Um, we do allow for people to take the assessment multiple times, um, three times actually. Um, and so the number is about 20 to 25% of people will pass the first one, uh, and then that number only goes up, uh, usually by like a magnitude of, you know, I don't know, 10 or 15%, you know, each try thereafter. Cool. Yeah, and, and I'll say, like, really the motivation for the question is what's important. I think people are used to using acceptance rates mm -hmm. as like a metric because mm -hmm. it's, it's very mm -hmm. common in higher ed, right? Like, Harvard, you get one shot, right? You're, you're, you're going to be a freshman, you're applying to a bunch of colleges, you get one shot to apply there. It's really, really important to you when you're applying to know your chances so that you can manage your anxiety, understand how your application should be, prioritize how much time you should put into it. Totally different world here, right? Like, especially at Full Stack and Grace Hopper, the fact that we don't expect you to get on your first try means that these kind of like direct conversion rates between steps are really not what you're trying to understand. We're trying to just understand what your chances are, and at least at our school, your chances are 100% if you put in the effort to reach the, the bar that we admit. And yeah, I think that, that one thing that I think all of us will own up to in our industry is that there are a lot of statistics and that mm -hmm. they're used for a lot of marketing and there's a lot of effort being put into throwing statistics at you and really I'm just advising you to step back and besides Googling all of our grads on LinkedIn and making sure their job's a software engineer, like think about you and like your personal journey and how you're gonna learn these skills and when is right for you to be uh, to be taking the various levels of instruction. So I, I, I totally echo Tyler here, like that's, the question is more like, should that should that be what you're asking? And I don't think any of us would say yes. Yeah. I mean, the crux of that question is obviously a fear, right? That they're they're worried that it's going to be very difficult, that their odds are low for them to get accepted. And like you had mentioned earlier, you can throw out a very low number. You could say the six to eight percent or something like that. And that's obviously that would be meant to to intimidate and make ourselves look, mm -hmm. you know, bolster mm -hmm. ourselves as our, our acceptance rate is really really low. It's really hard to get in, and that makes us special. And what does that that's do for your of, applicant pool too? That's, yeah. That's, that's sort of the, the antithesis that I want. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm putting myself in the perspective of, of, of someone applying or someone who's even listening to this panel right now, at some point during this, we all seem like five gatekeeping ogres to them, right? And that's what we sound like a lot. And I sort of detest that. I don't want that. I want an applicant to know that I am their biggest cheerleader. Like outside of their family and friends, no one is rooting for their success more than I am. I want them to be able to get through this process. I want them to feel that what you said about 100% is true, right? Yeah. If you're able to meet this threshold, we are rooting for you every step of the way. We don't want your failure. I'm not trying to intimidate you. I'm not trying to scare you. So if at any point we came across as scary, don't look at us that way. Don't think of it that way. We are rooting for you, or at least I am. I mean, everybody can speak for themselves. I am rooting for your success. I want you to be successful in this course. I want you to make it through the admissions process. Engage us, ask us questions. We want to make sure, ultimately, that the, the same thing that the applicant is in terms of they are going to a place that is a good fit for them and their goals.
And if there's an alignment there in terms of what they want to do and what we can offer, then we are as invested as you, in you as you are of yourself. So that's, that's what I think of when I hear of the question of what is your acceptance, mm -hmm. right? This whole sort of box and complicated Rubik's Cube of, of their fear and insecurity and what is really underlying that. Got it. Yeah, at um, Near Code and Design, we, we aren't the Harvard of boot camps. We don't cherry pick, um, but we do have standards for sure. And, um, and, and we don't throw around numbers, just like all of us were kind of saying as well, but we do have standards and, um, and expect our candidates to, to hold up to that. And if they go beyond that extra point, great. Yeah, if I, if I could actually. Yeah. So I think there are some useful statistics for, for folks to consider when they're looking into boot camps, um, particularly the, the outcomes statistics sure. I think are really useful. Um, something that I'm like particularly proud of uh, for, for Hack Reactor and also for Fullstack uh, is that we follow a, a shared methodology for kind of what it means to graduate from a course like this and what it means to be successful. Like we've, we've kind of poured over very deeply like what success means for people when they graduate from these courses and we've tried incredibly hard um, to make it really easy to kind of compare mm -hmm. different schools uh, to one another as far as the outcomes go. Because I think, at least from my perspective, most of the people that kind of come to, to Hacker Actors front door are people that are asking the question, is this program going to help me get a job? Um, and so I think um, a more important statistic, broadly speaking, to consider is not so much like, oh, like how difficult it is to get into the program, but more so how successful are people once they're done with it. Um, so I would encourage folks to look into, into that information. And yeah. even then, you've got to go past that oh, number, those statistics. Talk to alumni, like we're saying, oh, yeah. go to those intro events, go to info sessions, get in the door, like understand if you Easiest actually thing to fit do, the vibe. Go on LinkedIn, look for graduates of the program. Ask Their titles should be yeah. software engineer. Mm -hmm. And if you don't <laughs> find any, that's a pretty bad sign. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for being here. I hope that everybody learned something about the admissions process at these boot camps. We'll do another one of these soon. Thanks for hosting. Thanks, y'all. All right. And thank you to those of you who have been listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to learn more about these schools, you can read reviews on Course Report. And we love feedback. So please email us at hello at coursereport.com and let us know who you'd like to hear from on the next Course Report podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. See you next time.